This is Nursing in America. Each week we speak with incredible nurses who have taken the leap to start a new life in the United States. If you're thinking about doing the same, then this is the place you'll find all the insider knowledge and inspirational success stories to realize your own American dream. This is the second part of a two-part episode, so make sure you go back and listen to part one first. So we have a question here about the transition on the education side. Will children be on the same grade level that they were in the country they left in their home country? Rosemary, did your children go into the same grade level? Um, For most of them, yes, except one. And I wasn't surprised about that one because she started a little bit earlier. So she was supposed to be in grade four when we came in. But, we, but she was younger for that um, grade four. So they had to make her um, repeat grade three. But she already completed that grade three back in Italy. Okay. So, Kelsey, if you have um, a child that is going to be going into a grade level that is lower than the grade level they were in in their home country, what is the best way for a parent to help their children, their child through that transition? Because that can be quite stressful for the child. That's a great question. And with so many different things also changing at the same time, that could certainly feel like a bad thing to happen. Um, you know, and it's going to always be case by case. But if we can prepare, if we know the move is happening, kind of highlighting the differences in between the current school that the kid is at and where they might be going and just explaining those differences, not a bad or good thing, just, hey, we learn about different things here. And in the United States, they like to focus on this and this and kind of normalizing that that happens to a lot of different kids. You know, when they come to the States, things look different in different countries. You know, they really like to study things here. If there's a particular subject or thing that your kiddo really loves, highlighting the ways that it's embraced or taught in the States. Um, and I think just another very important piece is communicating with the teachers um, as much as you possibly can. Hopefully there will be some sort of school social worker. And again, like these platforms with parents um, and family members who can support, but just making sure that, you know, the child's not not left behind in that way or things like accessible testing, you know, embassies and other places can help support and make sure that, you know, in the ideal world, every child would end up exactly where they're supposed to be in school systems. And unfortunately, that's not always going to be the case. So just preparing as much as we can, um, embracing for the children kind of the things they love and what they can learn more about when they're here. Um, and then just really as much as we can be communicating with the school systems and the supports and the folks that are with our, our children a lot of the time during the day, you know, who can observe behaviors and interactions with other children and kind of work with us. Okay, so that's really good information is to be able to communicate with the school as much as possible, because sometimes immigrant parents are a little nervous of doing this. They're just not sure of what the, you know, what the expectations are or what the, the barriers of communication. Is it allowed is, you know, something that a lot of immigrant parents might might think of. How how could a parent approach a teacher? That's a great question. You know, and I, I definitely hear the aspect that depending on how things are, nervousness or even language barriers, cultural barriers that could get in between that parent also potentially communicating with the teacher. Um, you know, I I think being being brave and reaching out, you know, and just advocating for your student. Um, I like to think most teachers are, you know, the givers and the helpers and they want to support 
And although that might feel uncomfortable or different for parents to do, you know, you are the expert on your children. This teacher is learning about your child and the context that you can provide in terms of their transition to support them and see the best outcomes. You know, it's, it, it is just jumping in and getting involved. And if we're not comfortable doing that, you know, maybe reaching out to that community, to folks who have done it before, to other people in the school, perhaps the school social worker as an intermediary figure, um, if we're not comfortable going directly to the teacher, kind of reaching out and seeing if there's another figure, whether your family or within the district, that can kind of help be a, be a person who starts that conversation. Okay, so being brave being brave and advocating for your child um, and, and put, you know, putting that out into the community as well for help if you need it. Tina, can you talk a little bit about school zoning? This can be very confusing for a lot of immigrant uh, parents that have to deal with the school system and they're not even sure how it actually works here in the, in the US. Like, what, you know, how, how do the school zones work? What is the difference between private and public schools? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, our school zones are dependent on your address. So oftentimes you won't be able to really enroll your children in school until you have a permanent address. Um, they will need that. Um, so private school is something that you're going to have to pay out of pocket. Um, and they oftentimes don't provide transportation. Some of them do, some of them don't. Um, so it's as, as much as we have this great idea on um, what private schools are. A lot of our public schools are just as equal um, to the education that comes from them. So private school is free in the United States. You uh, do have the opportunity to have transportation um, and um, the bus system is there. So that is definitely a valuable aspect to that. Um, I did learn um, with when I was helping um, out in the Midwest, that sometimes your proximity to the school will kind of take away the opportunity to ride the bus and you'll you'll have to walk or take your child to school even with a public school. So just keep an eye on that and just ask questions. Um, that is always um, an, a, an option. Um, but just looking at their website, the school website, most, um, cities or towns will have a website that provides you with the school zoning to see where they are, what kind of school level it is, um, and just keeping um, doing your research beforehand. I, I know it falls back to that every time, um, but it is important to look that up and get an idea of what that's going to look like for you and your family. Okay, that's very helpful. Thank you for that information. Cornelia, what was your son's first day of school like? It was so good for him <laughs> because he was excited. My son's a teenager. So, um, and he's been watching American teenage movies, how how open they are with fashion, with hair, because back home, it's, um, it's quite strict. Like how you dress, they always have uniforms. Public schools and private schools in the Philippines always need to have um, uniform. So in here, he can express himself through the the dresses he wear, the hairstyles he he can have, and he most of the time he enjoys walking to and from school because he has he has gained a lot of friends. So um, when I ask him, uh, for me as a parent, uh, my fear would be bullying. So the first thing I told him is that if ever you experience any form of bullying, don't be afraid to tell me 
or tell your teacher so we can do something about it. Uh, surprisingly, he said uh, all of the kids in his school are very friendly. Even though he's an immigrant, he has the Filipino accent <laughs> somehow. Uh, they were very accommodating. Um, you know, they, they connected really well. And whenever I drop him off to school, uh, I saw his friends, you know, they were really friendly. Uh, it was so nice to see my son enjoying his school. He's in wow. middle school, he's 14. And middle school can be a tough time. So the fact that he settled so easily and it was a really smooth transition is really, you know, that, that's a great blessing because yeah. not all um, parents experience that. Mm -hmm. um, but Chelsea, what can a parent do if the child has a bad experience on their first day of school? Because there's a lot of hype, you know, you've come into this new, this new universe um, and now you go to school and, and it maybe feels strange. And um, uh, what would you say, Chelsea, to a parent who, where the child didn't have a good experience on their first day? Sure. And I, I think I'm, I'm happy we, we touched on bullying as well. So whether or not the first day, you know, is bullying based or, or just kind of that expectation has been built so much, you know, throughout this whole conversation, we've been talking about the process of preparing our children and how, you know, that has a buildup, a certain buildup to it that then you get to that first day of school and there can be a lot of expectation. Um, and depending on how that goes, the child could feel one way or another. Um, I think that just you know, you'll always hear me say normalizing things and holding space for feelings, but particularly on the first couple of days, first couple of weeks, having, if, if we can, based on work, of course, and, and logistics that are important to consider being there and just being a safe space, having the support to process out what happened um, so that it, if, you know, there was bullying, God forbid, or something else, they have a safe place to bring it up. Um, certainly virtual bullying with older children is going to be something to always be aware of. Mm -hmm. um, kind of harder for our teachers and our partners kind of in, in caring for our children to see that. And so I think being really aware of that, we don't want to scare our children, but we also want to prepare them, you know, and if there is you know, I guess I would say that culture shock is um, one of the questions is how do we avoid it? We can't avoid it. We don't want to avoid it. We want to avoid it becoming, you know, acculturation stress. That's the difference between culture shock and the stress. And so preparing for things like bullying, not scaring our children, but just, again, creating that safe space, the sense of community, um, processing it out. If there's a specific custom maybe that you love from your country, a meal that you love after the first day of school, coming home and, and talking about what was different from your first day of school at your last school and here and creating that sense of familiarity and, and just space to space to talk about it. Maybe sharing about your first day at your new job as a parent, if you feel like that will help, you know, showing that, hey, I'm doing this and we're doing this as a family, but it it's natural to have some some ebbs and flows. Yeah. And and I think just having that that good communication is just so important because as an adult, you're going through culture shock and we're gonna be talking a little bit more about culture shock in a minute, but it really is, it's a real thing. I mean, it, it is a real thing and different people go through it in different ways. And when you're going through it and then your child is going through it and they're having a bad day at school, it can be really a, a challenge. And um, so we have a question. I'm a registered nurse here in Germany. I'm currently working in an operating room, but I'm planning to move in the US in two years. And um, so I would say, 
welcome. The US is very short of nurses. It is well documented. And um, there was a nursing shortage before the pandemic. And there are many, many positions for nurses right now. So please go ahead. And if you have not already done so, take your NCLEX exam. There are many, many opportunities all over the US right now. Tilda is asking who takes care of accommodation before the nurse and her family are able to rent one. So Tilda, typically this will be in your offer letter, depending on the employer who is sponsoring you. And typically they will give some initial housing. And Merrin is asking, can the social security number uh, be applied for the applicant and the family together? Or does the family have to wait for the nurse's social, social security and the green card to be approved and then apply for theirs? Cornelia, what was your experience on the social security? Um, for us, we didn't have to go to the social security office. It came a month after we landed here in the US. It automatically came the SS and the green card by mail. Okay. And that depends, um, Marin, if you have applied for the Social Security at the DS-260 stage of your green card, or if you're going to be applying in the U.S. Um, we have a question about the hours for school. So, Rosemary, um, what are the usual hours in school for a three- or four-year-old? So, for three- and four-year-old, usually they are in the pre-K. And um, what my kids were doing was uh, they do 7, 20 to 2 p.m. So usually okay. the bus picks them up by 7.20 and drops them off around 2 p.m. Okay. All right. So there you go. And um, there's a question, how long should I work? Should I work in the U.S. before I'm able to have a U.S. citizenship? And you would have to be in the U.S. as a green card holder for five years before you apply for citizenship. Um, so I see that we have um, questions about bullying. So, um, And I know this is a worry for any parent, um, and Chelsea did touch on this, this topic. Um, Rosemary, did any of your kids experience bullying at all? Well, um, when we came in here, before actually I left, I kind of did a little research about the schools um, because I found out that there is something they call about the rating and all that about school. We didn't have anything like that back from where we were coming from. Um, schools, we are schools for us, you know, everything was government run and all that. But then when I started looking into the U.S. school system, I saw that there are areas where certain kind of behaviors are more common, things like bullying, you know, misbehaviors and things like that. So that was like, it caught my eye and I started researching. I started asking questions. I started connecting with um, most of the nurses in my group because we have a, a kind of a WhatsApp page where we like ask questions, you know, um, try to know what's going on. Hey, what are you doing? I'm coming with kids. What do you say about school and things like that? So um, I kind of had a kind of um, an upfront head start from my folks and friends. And they're like, hey, you have kids. Don't go to this area. Don't go to that area. Just start looking around this area, both for housing and everything. So um, that was a very good thing for me. So up front, I started looking at those areas, started making connections to see if I could get people that can help me, you know, um, secure something. So generally for my kids, they didn't have any of those because they started at a very good place. Um, the only thing they told me is that people literally do not talk to each other. They're like, everybody go about their own business. And you even say hi, they don't respond. And I'm like, well, 
I think it's something new and maybe people are just, you know, trying to adjust just like you guys are trying to adjust. And just like uh, Miss Tanya said, it wasn't different for me at work as well because I noticed that I would like come in the morning and like say hi to people and like everybody just minding their business and they were like doing whatever they were doing. And I was like, well, anyways, let's just get to work. <laughs> so I, I was like, you know, discussing that with my kids all the time, telling them what's going on with me and they keep telling me what's going on with them. So on the bullying aspect, I never had any um, issues with that. They never told me about, you know, kids misbehaving. Then coupled with the pandemic, there were less kids in the school as well. All of them, we aren't going to school at the same time. Most days, some are at home. Other days, others were in school. So we didn't get to see any of them. Yeah, so, so thankfully you didn't see that. We'll be back with the conversation in just a second. There's a wonderful opportunity for you. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work in healthcare facilities here in the USA. If you are interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. On with the show. Tina, you've worked with a lot of immigrant families um, that have come into the U.S. Can you talk about some of the ideas or suggestions that you've seen that parents have utilized to help their kids socially? whether it's bullying or, or whether it's just, you know, making friends, some of the, the things that you've seen that have been helpful. Yes. Yeah, so um, a big thing is just like Cornelia mentioned and Rosemary touched on as well is having that communication with your children, making sure that they know that they can come to you. The U.S. is very big on anti-bullying. A lot of schools have movements on that. So um, the the fortunate thing with technology that comes is that you can communicate with your teacher daily through they have apps, they have emails, and they're always connecting with you. So if you hear something from your child, make sure you let their teacher know so that they can help along the way. Um, and just know that there are so many resources. I've seen, uh, I saw some comments um, about uh, kids with special needs. Schools yeah. have so many resources and programs for that. Um, everything from um, maybe um, like disabilities, physically, mentally, all sorts of things are available for you um, and your family. Um, they may go to a different school at a different school um, that may not be within your like immediate school district, but know that they do oftentimes provide transportation for those children um, and are very inclusive about bringing them into the school. Um, I saw some comments about um, about foreign language and being able to communicate. There are programs for those children as well. Um, it's usually like English as a second language and helping them adjust um, to the school and learning and still being with other kids. So it's not necessarily about separating them. It's about making sure that they're set up with the resources that they need um, to succeed within, within their school. Um, so just rely on those social workers, those counselors, and those teachers because they're there day in and day out. Yeah. So, I, and I see there's a lot of questions about kids with special needs. Just know there's a lot of resources that are available for kids with special needs. Um, Rosemary, coming to the U.S. with six kids in the middle of a pandemic is no uh, small undertaking. 
what advice would you have for um, parents to help their, their, just not talking about bullying, just talking about just general, um, generally making friends? Well, um, on my path, um, I trained up my kids in such a way that um, they feel free to talk with me all the time. We, we have good time talking together and I always like to be very sincere and like kind of upfront with events with them, try to know what they want and how they feel we can, you know, make it work better for us without getting everybody caught in the line. So what I would say to parents generally is um, just make, uh, make sure you do have those sincere communications with them. Try to let them know upfront why you are doing this and how it's going to benefit the family. Because I've seen situations whereby people transitioned and uh, the kids are kind of are still stuck wherever they were previously. Because um, kids are like, um, how do I say it? They are like, funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they are fragile. And mm -hmm. you wouldn't know when they become withdrawn. And when we came here, my daughter, my oldest daughter is 12, but mentally she's like 18. She's very smart. She's very intelligent. She's, I don't know how to describe her, but even in the school, she was in the school for like um, a month and she was already getting awards and stuff like that because wow. that's the way she is. So I spend much time with her, letting her get things, you know, processed and kind of prepare her mind because she is the only one I kind of get worried for. And mm -hmm. I must say, honestly, I had that issue with her. By the time she spent two months there, she told me, mom, what the hell is going on in these schools? I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> she was like, the things they are teaching us is like things I did like two years back in the school. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, like, I didn't know that. So what do you think? Mm -hmm. She was like, I don't know. The, kid, the, the kids in my class behave like children. They are like six years old. Things they should know, they don't know. So I, I think she, she was very mature, Rosemary. Yeah, she, she's way, way, way ahead of herself in many things. So yeah. I'm like, well, you know one thing, there are people that are exceptional. I would say you're exceptional, but um, everybody's not the same. So the fact that you know it doesn't mean that people of your age know it. So yeah. I would say um, try and let things flow naturally. You know, we can always revisit what we know previously. So uh -huh. um, it was like, it's getting boring for me here. So what okay. I did was like, we can enroll you in AP classes. Maybe that will excite you more. And she was like, yeah, I think I want to do something like that because uh -huh. I can't waste my time. So, um, so that's interesting, Rosemary. So she was able to stretch by starting to take AP classes, and yes. um, she was able to stretch herself intellectually and she academically. Was. She was oh, good. And, good. Yeah, because okay, these are the things that most parents are struggling with. And honestly, yeah. I must say, the idea came from my from my landlord because I kind of had a little chat with him, and I uh -huh. told him, "Hey, look at what my daughter is going through." She was like. I don't think I want to stay here anymore. I, I want to go back because nothing yeah. is happening here. Back so then, Italians are like, you know, yeah. they are like. Yeah. So that brings us. So I, I, yeah. So I, 
Sorry, sorry, Rosemary. I'm, I'm pleased that you brought that up because we're almost out of time, but I wanted to just talk a little bit about Culture Shock. We're yeah. going to be doing a show on Culture Shock, but I wanted to just talk about that because it's very common to want to go back in the first few months, to feel homesick, to be comparing it to what, you know, what Rosemary was saying her daughter was talking about the school. And um, we've actually got a graphic just to talk a little bit about an overview of Culture Shock. Um, and um, Chelsea, do you want to maybe just talk us through the emotions that, um, you know, Culture Shock is a well-documented phenomenon. So just talk us a little bit through these different emotions and what Culture Shock is all about. Yeah, absolutely. This is a great graphic too. Um, you know, and and again, I sound like a broken record, but this is going to be very dependent also on the age of the child, you know, um, or adolescent, you know, adolescents, older teenagers might be able to put into words more clearly how they're feeling versus looking at younger kiddos and their behaviors might be different instead. You know, they can't put into words, they're in a completely new place and they can't put into words exactly what it is that they're feeling. Um, I think observing our children in play can be very, very helpful, especially with younger kids to see kind of where these emotions are coming out. Um, you know, you don't have to be a psychologist to watch a child in, in non-directive play and just see how they're interacting like with their stuffed animals and their environment and their things. And you can see the things like the helplessness or the anger, or the confusion. Um, so kind of looking out for those things. I think the, the stress, the fear, the confusion um, is is. I don't want to say it's normal because it doesn't feel normal. It's very uncomfortable, but it is, you know, when we go through these transitions, as we several of us have mentioned, these are adults are going to experience these things as well. So I think as, as parents and as loved ones in the lives of the children, sitting with these things with ourselves first is going to be very important so that when we recognize it in our children, we're able to approach it and we don't get really overwhelmed. Um, you know, having safe conversations about things, having that kind of tether, how do we build a bridge from, from our former culture maybe to this one that's very different. So that could look like even having in the preparation phase to living here, having your child or your kid pick up, pack up their box and, and create kind of a same space in the new home, um, create kind of just those areas where there is familiarity that a little bit more comfort in terms of, of talking about culture shock, talking about what comes up. Um, again, kind of wanting to share and be open with our children about the fact that we also sometimes experience these things while at the same time remaining like a pillar of, of strength and support for them is it's, it's not an easy thing. You know, it's possible. It's very, very possible, but it's, I think first and foremost, recognizing in ourselves and sitting with it in ourselves and then reaching out for the support and supporting our kiddos. I, I mean, culture shock is a real thing. It really is. I, I've experienced it myself. And it's really hard when you've got kids that are going through culture shock and then you're going through culture shock at the same time and there's a lot of change. So um, I think that's really good advice, Chelsea. Tina, you've seen a lot of a lot of families go through culture shock when they arrive in the US. What is your advice to parents? Um, so, you know, if you can maybe share some practical things that you've seen the parents do that have made a difference in helping their kids through culture shock? Of course. So um, I, I'm i a first-generation American, so my parents were immigrants as well. And one thing that I learned from them and I was able to help others with is know that you need to be flexible. Don't um, – a lot of us come in with an idea of it's going to be a certain way, um, but that oftentimes changes because different things come at us. So be flexible. Understand that things 
are always bound to change and um, know that with your kids as well, because um, there are so many factors. And even in the U.S., there are so many different areas um, that you will experience different forms of culture shock depending on where you end up um, living uh, during your time here. So um, just be flexible, open minded, um, know that that. There are so many different aspects to a big move like this that that flexibility and open mindedness is going to help with you and your kids because you're both going to go through it at the same time. Yeah, flexibility and open mindedness. And I would probably add a sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> things go wrong, they're going to go wrong. And you've got to be able to laugh. And those are the things that yeah. years later you can look back and laugh. Those are the stories that you tell. I know as an immigrant myself, 21 years ago, these stories that I tell that happened in those first few weeks and months and I'm like, oh my gosh. And today you can laugh about it, but in the time it's um it's not that fun. Um Chelsea, um and I wanted to just ask you um if there are what are the resources that you would suggest parents use um to try and help their kids through culture shock. Are there any specific resources? Sure, that's so funny that you say that. I'm looking actually, I was gonna drop a list of, of books and resources that I compiled. So okay, I was gonna comment on here. Um, so I'm happy to share to share those in the comments. Um, there's good. some really great, there's some really great books. Several of them um, are also coming from the perspective of they're actually written by children or adolescents who have gone through this. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a really tangible, you know, I think this whole thing can be a lot of like grownups talking to me, you know, mm -hmm. and this is seeing another children's perspective, another child's yeah. perspective on the process. Um, and so I'll, I'll drop those into the, into the comments. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that would, that would be great. Remembering also my, my small caveat is remembering that many of these books might not, it's just important to remember the cultural lens. They may not carry over to different individuals' cultures in the same way. And so we want to kind of just be really mindful of that and honor that. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. Um, so thank you for sharing those resources, Chelsea. And, you know, some of the things can be just simple things like, um, you know, it, it can be just working in the community or the, you know, places of worship, the churches, the, the mosques, the temples, we, you know, we spoke about, we haven't really spoken about that, but just getting um, contacts from those resources um, to help the, the kids making that transition. Sometimes it can be getting a pet. I've seen, like, I had uh, one immigrant family where they, they you know, the, the son was really d struggling and they got him a little dog and he just did a complete turnaround. So it can be something really, you know, simple and or, or something a little bit more complicated. This has been such an interesting discussion. This has been such a an informative discussion. I know that Cornelia, Rosemary, Tina, and Chelsea, you've helped so many people today. Rosemary and Cornelia, um, let's give final words. Cornelia, do you have any regrets? What is your life like with your son now? It's a lot different from what we used to back home. It's a lot better, actually. Uh, he's. Uh, I told him to just enjoy teenage life. He's very lucky to, you know, to be able to enter an American school because back home, it's really expensive to enter an international school. And in here, the opportunities for children are very, um, very large. Um, in his public school, he even got to have his own MacBook, though he needs to return it by the end of the school. But to think that you can have that um, opportunity is really, you know, like a dream uh so yeah uh everyone 
recommend anyone who's uh, thinking of moving to the U.S. with your children. It's not a hindrance. It's actually a big opportunity for you and your family to be here in the U.S. It's a first world country, especially for Filipinos, you know. We're from a third world country. The difference is huge. So I encourage you guys to come here. Well, thank you for in, for encouraging and inspiring people with your journey and your success. And we wish you and your son only good things. Tina, mm -hmm. any final words for any um, any parents that are, are coming to the U.S. with their children? Um, ultimately, I'm just going to take it back to make sure you do your research. Um, we touched a little bit on it yesterday. Look at what the weather is going to be. A lot of people forget about that. Yeah. So pack accordingly. Um, those going into high school, uh, kids with high school, bring their transcripts. Don't forget your vaccine records. Um, and just um, and those with babies, you should probably research daycares and get on their waiting list before you come just in case. Um, those can always be canceled, but at least you'll have something uh, prepared should you need it. So Absolutely. Rosemary, final words. What is life like in the U.S. now for you, your husband, and your six kids? <laughs> Beautiful, I must say. <laughs> they are having a lot of good time. They are happy. They are exploring a whole lot of things. Um, yes, I must say um, they are making progress. I am making progress too. So every one of us, um, we are happy to be here. And we want to encourage anybody that wants to come um, do your research, prepare your mind, be flexible and be ready for the changes that will come with it. It's not going to be easy, but at the end of the day, um, you'll be happy that you made that trip. Absolutely. Well, I couldn't say it better than that. Thank you to our panel. Thank you, Cornelia. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Rosemary. Unfortunately, we lost Chelsea, but thank you, Chelsea, if you're watching. We really, it was such a fun show. It was really so enjoyable. I hope everybody learned a lot. I certainly did um, and wish everybody the best. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and hit the follow button on your podcast player and leave us a review. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work here in the USA. We offer direct hire, meaning you will be sponsored and hired directly by American healthcare facilities. If you're interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for more incredible conversations.